You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. to see everyone in the house of the Lord tonight and uh, we're in our series called better and we're going through the book of Leviticus and the book of Hebrews and uh, we're into uh, the second half of the series and so we're picking up with uh, the beginning of the book of Hebrews tonight and the whole focus of of the of the series called better is that the new covenant is better than the old covenant. And uh, we thank the Lord, obviously. We went through the book of Leviticus, and we uh, kind of put it together last week in, um, obviously, all the ceremonial laws and the, and the guidelines that are given to us in sacrifice and, um, and, and when it comes to festivals and the feasts and, and the offerings and all of those things. Uh, then we connected it also with Obviously, he is a holy God, and uh, he is a God that is to be worshipped. And so those things all uh, come together within the book of Leviticus. Uh, but when we come to Hebrews, um, it's, it's even greater, and um, it's even uh, more relevant uh, to, to us today. Uh, so I'm just going to give you a little bit of um, uh, some information concerning the book first. Of course, the book of Hebrews, uh, we're not fully convinced on who is the author. Now, there's a lot of people that make suggestions. There's lots of opinions on, on who the author is, and I have my own opinion as well. But um, if you, if you kind of look at um, what some scholars would say, they, they feel it could be Paul. Uh, they also feel it could be Luke, it could be Apollos. Um, there's multiple people that they feel like could be, even Priscilla, um, people that have written the book of Hebrews. If I was to give you my strong opinion, I, I do believe it was probably Paul, uh, just from um, the way the book of Hebrews is written in the sense of the knowledge that uh, it gives us and the connection he would have to being well scholared in the law, uh, Paul was a very intelligent man, and so he learned under the best of teachers. And um, of course, when you're when you're going through the book of Hebrews, we do see some strong connections to the book of Leviticus, and he would have had reference and known and understood what the book of Leviticus was all about. So, but uh, there is no definite um, and knowledge for sure of the author and so a lot of times when I'm when I'm uh, preaching or ministering from the book of Hebrews I'll just say the writer of the book of Hebrews because um, people may have different opinions on who that is it's written in the late 60s AD uh, it is written before the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD uh, it is also written while Timothy is still alive and so uh, that gives us some indication that it's probably in the late 60s A.D. is when the book is written. It's written to the Jewish church, 
And, um, of course, there's uh, the believers of the Jewish church uh, would have understood the book of Leviticus. And uh, this, this book of Hebrews that is being written would have been great insight into um, the four sections that we'll talk about that is in the book of Hebrews. But the writer of Hebrews would have given this insight into these sections of it being better. The word better is the theme of the book. It's mentioned 15 times within the book of Hebrews. And so it is the theme that goes throughout the book. And the whole idea is that the new covenant is better than the old covenant. And so believers in every, every generation, um, doesn't matter if it was just during the Bible times, the book of Hebrews is very relevant to us today uh, when it speaks about uh, the superiority of Christ in multiple facets that we'll speak about. Um, if you were to give um, really a summary of the book, it's really made up in one sentence. And when I'm teaching this class uh, at the college, uh, they, are, they are taught to memorize the statement. Of course, I'm not going to require you to do that. Um, they are required to memorize it word for word. But it gives us a, an overview of the book of Hebrews. Jesus Christ, whose superiority over all others is demonstrated by the incarnation, has established a new covenant which is better than the old covenant in its rest, its priesthood, its tabernacle, and the sacrifice by which it is established and which is apprehended by faith, provides for the discipline of disobedient children and results in practical expressions of Christianity. And so that's really an overview of what the book of Hebrews is all about. And um, this local Jewish church that is written to, um, uh, they would be, be receiving information that would have been somewhat controversial, but it is, uh, obviously, the church has been in existence now for um, a few years, and so uh, they would have understood some of the things because they would have heard items of, uh, that are mentioned in the book of Hebrews preached, but there still would have been some controversy in, um, in how they are speaking about it being better and, um, than what the law was uh, during the Old Testament. So uh, this would have been uh, somewhat of a challenge to some of the believers, some of the church members. Um, but the book of Hebrews, of course, when it's studied through, has some great insight into who Jesus is. And uh, we, we find through the book of Leviticus all the setup of pointing towards uh, Jesus Christ going to become that better covenant, but the book of Hebrews gives us the proof of that. And so uh, if you were to think about the breakdown of the book of Hebrews, it's broken down into four sections. The first section is the superiority of Christ's identity, and that goes up to chapter 4, verse 14. Uh, the second section is from chapter 4, verse 14 to the end of chapter 7, which is the superiority of Christ's priesthood. And then the third section uh, is the superiority of Christ's sacrifice. And then the last section is the sufficiency of faith, which includes the faith chapter and um, chapter 12 and 13. So we'll kind of break it down into those four sections. And tonight we'll speak about uh, the superiority of Christ's identity because it is important to know who Jesus is. Not just to know his name and uh, not just to know that he was born and, and um, 
of course, uh, lived on this earth and died and rose again. It's important to know who Jesus is. Jesus is God manifested in the flesh. And so uh, probably one of the greatest understandings of all of that is, is John in his writings in John, also 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and also the book of Revelation. So uh, the book of Hebrews begins um, uh, with uh, a little bit of uh, play on words. In chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. Uh, in the King James language, when you see sundry times and divers manners, it takes a little bit of uh, just figuring out, okay, what's, what's this uh, being, uh, or being said here? Of course, in the Greek language, uh, if we were to put it into our modern-day English, it, it basically means in many times, in many ways. So God spoke many times in many ways, and he did that unto the fathers by the prophets. So the writer of Hebrews is going back into the Old Testament and saying, listen, the Old Testament is still important. It's still relevant. It was important uh, for thousands of years. And uh, that's how he spoke. He spoke many ways and many times unto the fathers by the prophets. Um, and, and verse 2 says, Hath in these last days spoken unto us by a son whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Um, uh, so when he's speaking here, uh, he's saying, listen, uh, we're, uh, there's many times in the past that he has spoken in many different ways. But when it comes to the last days, and, and these are the last days that we're living in, um, and those, those last days, um, however uh, you want to think about it, but the coming of the Lord is going to happen while we're alive or after we pass on, Jesus Christ is returning. And, uh, in, and so since the, the beginning of the church age, which happened on the day of Pentecost and which we are a part of today, uh, the writer of Hebrews says that the, the greatest message that we have heard since that point has been through Jesus Christ. And uh, so he says, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son, Jesus Christ, the incarnate uh, Lamb of God. Uh, and and uh, he, he makes it very clear. He connects it to uh, Jehovah of the Old Testament. He says, uh, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. There's no disconnect. Uh, you'll see in the first three, four verses is a very powerful um, uh, introduction to the book of Hebrews on the oneness of God. And so, yes, in times past and in many ways, he spoke to the prophets, by the prophets unto the fathers, but Jesus Christ became flesh and, and um, in these last days has spoken unto us and is still speaking to us through his word. Uh, John makes it clear, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Um, we could uh, identify, go back, and I won't take time to go through each of these uh, tonight, but there's eight covenants within Scripture. Uh, the covenant in Eden, Edenic uh, covenant, there's the uh, covenant of Adam, uh, Adamic uh, covenant, there's the covenant of Noah, 
uh, Noahic covenant, Abraham, Abrahamic covenant, Mosaic covenant, which was Moses, the Palestinian covenant, Davidic covenant, and then also we have uh, the new or the better covenant. We could do a series on those at some point, but uh, everything about Hebrews is talking about how great and how much better Jesus Christ is than all of the other covenants that were put into place. And, um, and so having that new covenant, which is represented in Hebrews as being superior uh, to all the others, um, uh, superior in the sense that it's Jesus Christ directly speaking to his people uh, in, in, uh, in the church age. It's, um, yes, uh, Old Testament, unto the fathers by the prophets. Okay, but you and I get to sit down with the word of God tonight. And the word is God. Can't separate it. You get to sit down with the word of God and God gets to speak into your life through his word. Sometimes it's as ministers are ministering it, but uh, a lot of times it's as you're sitting reading it and studying it and, and, and spending time uh, reading his word. You get to uh, allow God to speak into your life through his word. And he is, uh, he is this word. Nothing is higher or greater than his word. That is settled Nothing can be added to, nothing can be taken away from it. That causes big issues with anyone who does that. His word is settled. His word is settled. Uh, it's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Uh, we hide the word in our hearts that we might not sit against him. Uh, this word is powerful, and, and it's sharp, uh, quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints of marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. That's how powerful his word is. He can even go into my very thinking and know what I'm thinking uh, without me ever saying it. That, the word's powerful. And so getting an understanding of uh, this is how uh, we are being spoken to in these last days, it's through Jesus Christ. And... Uh, Thank God for all of the things that have happened before. And they're still relevant. But you don't have to. I mean, you can go directly through the throne. You can go directly to God in prayer. You can, you can go directly to the word yourself. It, uh, I mean, there's been denominations in the past that didn't want people to have the word. Didn't want people reading the word. When questions were asked about the word, they didn't want to answer the questions. Well, what's so wonderful about having the word of God yourself? You can go directly into the word yourself. You can study and read it and pray it and meditate upon it and learn it, memorize it. And yeah, you can, you can take it right into, into your life. And so um, this verse says, verse 2, um, and, and what happens in verse 2 and verse 3, it's going to give us seven characteristics of who God is, who, who Jesus Christ, uh, which is God manifested in the flesh, who he is, is going to give us seven characteristics. And so the first one it says in verse 2 is he is the heir of all things. The incarnation was necessary to provide a qualified heir for, for God uh, to be able to uh, let human 
human beings possess, understand how everything belongs to him. It was made by him, it's for him, and it's because of him. That includes you and I. He created you and I. He created you and I that we would live for him. Now, you have power of choice. You have the, the power to make that decision, but it's still his desire. Everything about your life is his desire to be for him. He is the heir of all things. And um, the, the good news is for believers that... Uh, uh, the New Testament tells us that we are joint heirs with Christ. What a, what a great uh, 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 eye-opener for us. He is the heir of all things, and then when he grafts us into the vine, adopts us into the family, seals us with his spirit, puts the power of the Holy Ghost in our lives, take up resonance in our heart, you and I become joint heirs with him. I... Um, I wish the church uh, would come to a realization of who we really are in God. Who we really are in Him. If we ever, ever really get a hold of that, um, it will turn the world upside down again. Because there's such an understanding of when... Uh, you, you know, first of all, he's the heir of all things, but you are a joint heir with him. Um, you, this, this is not we're in comparison with him or we're equal to him. or any, No, 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 we're a joint heir with him. Everything belongs to him, and he has brought us into that understanding. What a beautiful, a beautiful thing uh, of how God loves you. Um, the second characteristic in verse 2 is by whom also he made the worlds. Jesus is the one uh, whom, uh, who the worlds are made by. And so you, you go all the way back to uh, Genesis. Uh, in the beginning, uh, God created the heavens and the earth. And God said, let there be. That's his word. He spoke the logos. And just by him speaking, things were created. And let there be light. And there was light. Well, uh, John had such a, a revelation of, of who God was. In the beginning, he said, was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And that word became flesh. He had an understanding that you couldn't separate the word and God. You couldn't separate the word and Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one through whom also he made the worlds. According to Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2. Um, this is a characteristic of who Jesus is. He's not a junior God, just a good teacher or another man. He is God manifested in the flesh. What a beautiful understanding of knowing who Jesus is. That's the first two characteristics that are given in verse 2. 
In verse 3, it lists another five characteristics. Um, and this is what verse 3 says. Who, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Um, the first characteristic that is mentioned here is the brightness of his glory. Um, the descriptive terms used uh, of Christ in this, in this uh, passage that's written by the writer of Hebrews uh, indicates that you cannot, it's impossible to separate God and Jesus Christ. Who being the brightness of his glory. Um, he is God made visible to you and I. Human existence. And when you notice what this word, uh, the word brightness. It refers to a flood of light or radiance. Jesus Christ is actually God shining brightly into this world. So, God is a spirit. And when a spirit is not something that can necessarily be seen, but the spirit of God became flesh, and that shined throughout this world, shining continually today through your life and my life as well. When Jesus filled you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, he continues to shine in 2022 in this world. Again, if we ever got a hold of who we are, every day, every day, you become the brightness of his glory. How is he still shining in this world he's shining in this world through you the writer of Hebrews says uh, who being the brightness of his glory and and when it's speaking about Jesus Christ and you realize that that's who you have living inside of you you have the brightness of his glory shining through your life on a daily basis what a powerful understanding of who you are in God you are a son and daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You are, you are a representation of the brightness of his glory. Now he knows, he knows that um, obviously we have our faults and we have our failures, uh, but he is actually shining, uh, he is shining through our lives on a continual basis. Um, since God will never give his glory to another, he, he will not give his glory to another. Jesus is that radiant glory through you that people see. That's why, that's why you can go into a situation sometimes and not even say anything, yet people be affected. Not necessarily by your eye, but by what is within you and I. 
Some people don't even know what it is. They don't even know how to explain it. Some people don't even know how to express how they feel at that moment. There's something, and you'll hear this statement, and hopefully you've heard this statement. There's something about you that's different. Okay? Uh, something about you is different. Well, it's, it's not whether you're male or female or how old you are, uh, you know, or, or you did your hair different. No, it's not. It's something that's shining through you that causes someone to say, I don't know how to put my finger on it, but there's something about you that makes you different. And I'll tell you, there's no doubt what it is. It's the brightness of his glory that's shining through your life on a daily basis. If you haven't had that said for quite some time, it might be good to do a little inventory and say to yourself, ask yourself, check out, uh, whether the brightness of his glory is actually shining through our lives like it should be on a daily basis. Um, the second thing that's said um, here, characteristic number four in verse three, it says, and the express image of his person. Jesus is the express image of God's person. The Greek word, here is character. It's where we get our, our English word literally means character. Translate it here in express image. It, re, it reveals that Jesus Christ is the exact representation of God. It's the exact representation. It's the express image. It is the character you cannot separate Jesus and his character from God. It is the express image. And the writer of Hebrews is trying to give a characteristic to try to explain how powerful Jesus Christ is. And you have to know that he's writing this to the Jewish church. The Jewish church is so um, I mean, they have such reverence and respect, respect for Yahweh, God Almighty. And now they're being, they're being explained that this man that has come to earth is the express image of God Almighty. He is God Almighty. And so the Jewish church is trying to get their heads around uh, how powerful that is. Well, I mean, think of it in the terms of you and I being filled with his spirit. He told John, he said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to, I'm going to fill you with my spirit. So think of it in these terms. Not only are you the brightness of his glory on a daily basis, you represent the express image of what people see about God. When someone is wanting to know about God, when someone who has no understanding of how to connect with God, they may not even know how to pray, they may not they, they may not know uh, uh, very or very little about the Bible. And they become 
uh, interested or inquisitive and they start to ask you questions, there's something that starts to speak through you. Jesus said to his disciples when he sent them out, don't worry about what you're going to need to say. I'll give you the words to say. Have you ever had those experiences when after you were done having a conversation, you were like, man, I, I've impressed myself. <laughs> I've impressed myself with what I said. I, I didn't realize I had that knowledge or I didn't realize I could explain it that way or I re didn't realize... Do you know what's happening? The express image of God is working through you because of his spirit that's inside of you. And the spirit, the spirit starts to speak through you. And the spirit speaking through you can allow people to see who God is. Now they'll get a, a revelation and an understanding for themselves with, with relationship with God. But sometimes the only God that people knows is what is in you. The writer of Hebrews says, this is how powerful Jesus is. He's the express image. The express image. And when we realize that we have Jesus Christ in our life, then you become the express image of God. That's characteristic number four. A characteristic number five says, and upholding all things by the word of his power. Uh, in addition to God being made visible through Jesus Christ, he upholds all things by the word of his power. The phrase, um, by the word of his power, it's, it's a Hebrewism meaning by his powerful word. The bottom line is, is what he's saying is the Godhead is in his word and it's upheld by that word. So think about what he's saying. Everything was made by him. Uh, the brightness of his glory, your, the express image uh, of God. And now he's, he's giving us a descriptive characteristic that everything about his word the fullness of the Godhead is in Jesus Christ. We do not deny the Father. We do not deny the Son. And we sure don't deny the Spirit. We have an understanding of who the Father is. Philip, when you have seen me, you have seen the Father. We have an understanding of who the son is. Mary, now you're going to have a son. Going to call his name Jesus. He's going to save his people from their sins. Emmanuel. God with us. An understanding of who the son is. And Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you. When I go away, I'm not leaving you alone. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. But I'm going to send another comforter, that comforter which is the Holy Ghost, which shall teach and guide you into all truth. 
And so when the power of his spirit came and was poured out on the day of Pentecost, Jesus was taking up residence in people's lives. So there's not a denying. It's an understanding of who Jesus is. And when the scripture in Hebrews is talking about um, the, 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 the characteristic that I just read, unto you, read to you, it says, and upholding all things by the, pow- by the word of his power or his powerful word, the fullness of the Godhead, every aspect of God's essence continually dwells bodily in Jesus Christ. Paul writes it to us in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. And he writes in Colossians 1, 17. It says, by him all things consist. Everything is because of Jesus Christ. That's characteristic. Um, and then we'll go to the next one. Uh, it says, when he had by himself purged our sins. The ultimate purpose, obviously, of the incarnation uh, was to, uh, Jesus said, to seek and to save that which was lost. Luke chapter uh, 19, verse 10. Uh, everything about what Jesus came to do was so that people's sins could be purged. Not just pushed. Not just taken care of for a year. You want to read a powerful chapter? Read uh, Leviticus chapter 16 when it, when it gives a description of, of, of how Aaron was to go in and make an atonement. I mean, there, there was some complete detail on, on how that was to be done. And that was a powerful understanding in the book of Leviticus. But Jesus came to this earth so that he could take away sins once and for all. The characteristic of God was when he had by himself purged our sins. Now, that's a, that's a very important characteristic of who Jesus is. He didn't have to add anyone to it. He didn't have to combine with someone else. He didn't, no, by himself, he has purged our sins. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I thank God for that characteristic right there. Amen. That every one of us get to sit here with our sins purged because of Jesus Christ. It's a characteristic. Okay, I, I got to hurry. The last one sat down on the right hand of the majesty of, uh, of on high. Uh, the majesty of on high, of course, is a place of power. It's a position of power. It's not sitting by another person. When, it, when the Bible speaks about the right hand, it's a place of power. And Jesus, when he purged our sins, has accomplished actually the highest purpose of why he came to earth, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. That right hand inscription, uh, in Scripture is a metaphor for power and authority. And when he's talking to his disciples in Luke, he said, All power in heaven and earth belongs to me. You can't separate power that Jesus has and power that something else. All power in heaven and earth, he said, belongs to me. What a beautiful understanding of 
the authority uh, and power of Jesus Christ. So just go through these characteristics again because this, these first three verses uh, are very important for any reader to know before you go into the rest of Hebrews because you got to know who Jesus is or we're going to miss how much better the covenant is. You got to know who Jesus is or, or there won't be an understanding of how powerful the new covenant is. Okay, so think of it again. This is what he says. Verse 2, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son, Jesus Christ, whom he hath appointed heir of all things. He's the creator of all. By whom also he made the worlds. He spoke those into existence, who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Those seven characteristics of who Jesus is gives us a great understanding of how powerful he is in your life as an individual. This is not something out there that you can't reach or touch. No, no, no. This is who you have living inside of you. This is who you've been filled with. This is the power of his spirit that lives in your life. It's more than just you or I calling ourselves a Christian. <laughs> Lots of people call themselves a Christian. It's more than that. It's having, it's having these characteristics of who Jesus is in our life. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Now, um, notice again, he's talking to the Jewish church and the writer of Hebrews is he's going to and I don't have time to go through it all. I'm just going to hit a couple highlights here, uh, but he's going to hit a couple things that's that possibly could strike a nerve. OK, now. I think all of us, when we get talking about angels, uh, that's a you know, that's a pretty powerful topic. And. Um, Lots of examples through the Old Testament of angels uh, showing up in situations and circumstances. The Bible even says that there's angels among us that we are unaware of. And so it doesn't speak of angels in a negative sense unless they're fallen angels. But it speaks of them in a positive sense. And, uh, you know, I, I have a, a great memory in in, in my life that I, I will never forget as long as I have my mind. When my dad got hurt and um, they had put us into a small room, my wife and I, my mom and my brother and sister Mitchell, uh, the five of us, the doctor had come in and said, I'm going to, spoke to me, he said, I'm going to let you see your dad, speak to your dad before he goes into the operating room. And he's going to be in there for six or seven hours. We don't know what we can do, but I'm going to let you speak to him before he goes in, and I'll come back and get you. So we waited maybe 15, 20 minutes, it seemed like. And the doctor came back, and he kind of looked from side to side, and he said, where's the other two men that were here? And I said, it was just, it was just us, doctor. He said, no, when I was here last, there was a man standing 
on both sides of this door. Where are they? Now, we weren't trying to convince him. He was actually trying to convince us. We knew from the very moment that God had his hand in the situation, no matter how dire or terrible it looked. So I, you know, I, I've, uh, I've got examples. I've got other examples that both of my daughters could have drowned one day, and I believe an angel uh, spared both of them. I could tell you story after story. I'm, so I'm not um, uh, speaking about angels in a negative sense whatsoever. But I want you to see what the Scripture says. The writer of Hebrews, verse 4, in chapter 1, says, Being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at, at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee, and again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. You can go through the passage. The, the bottom line is he's, he's speaking to the Jewish church and says, Listen, I know how powerful of examples you have of angelic beings. And rightfully so. But I want you to know, they don't compare. They do not compare to Jesus Christ. As powerful as that moment was in that hospital room, I cannot lose sight that I was filled with Jesus. As powerful as that moment was, it still doesn't compare. I think we become sometimes a little taking it for granted of how powerful Jesus is when he has filled your life with his presence. Let me tell you, the angelic beings do not compare. As great as they are, and thank God for them. Okay? My mother-in-law, she's always saying that I keep angels busy protecting me on the highway and all of that. I don't even know if they protect you if you're speeding. As powerful as angels are, they do not compare to how powerful Jesus Christ is. Now, I want you to know this is being said to the Jewish church that has many examples of wrestling matches and people like the Son of Man in a fiery furnace. And I mean, you can go. And the writer of Hebrews says, as great as that is, they do not compare to Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm going to finish it with this. Um, and that goes all the way. You can read that through chapter, the rest of chapter 1, chapter 2. Uh, now, I, I want you to, in closing here, I want you to see what happens in chapter 3. Because, again, the Jewish church had some very key people in their past. Maybe none greater than Moses. Maybe none greater than Moses. I mean, he's raised up, spared at birth, becomes the deliverer after 430 years of captivity. 
brings out possibly millions of people, goes through ten plagues of, I mean, miraculous things God is, and, and Moses, and maybe the plagues were as much for Moses to understand how powerful God was, and, and maybe not just Pharaoh. Moses is having this second thoughts about whether he should be the person and I need to have someone that speaks better than me. And what do you got in your hand, Moses? And in his hand was a rod. Throw it on the ground. It becomes a serpent. Pick it up by the tail. It became a rod. Take your hand, Moses, and put it in your bosom. And it came out leprous. Put it back in, Moses, and it came out clean. These are, I mean, I don't know. I, I think that'd be pretty convincing. You'd have to convince me to pick up a snake by the tail anyway. It better become a rod. <laughs> this would be pretty convincing. I don't know. Maybe the, 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 the plagues were as much for Moses to understand who God was. Who do I say sent me? <laughs> Tell them the I am sent you. The I am sent you. And so you have to, I think you have to grasp, understand how powerful this person was to the Jewish church. Recognized as one of the greatest of their time. Chapter 3, wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and the high priest of our profession, Jesus Christ, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Now the Jewish church is being told something that's, that may be even difficult for them to swallow. Jesus Christ is not only better than the angels. He's better. He's greater, more glorious than who you have reverenced and revered for thousands of years. Moses. Just so you know, Scripture goes on, just so you know, he created Moses. Just so you know, he's more powerful than Moses ever was or ever would be. The superiority of Christ's identity, knowing who Jesus is, and he just gives us a couple examples, knowing that he's more powerful than angelic beings and greater than Moses, the deliverer. I pray the church... I pray the church would get a fresh illumination and revelation of who Jesus is so that our lives would take on a whole new dimension. Listen, when he filled you with the Holy Ghost, it was more than just talking in tongues. That was the initial evidence. And I thank God for it. And I continue to do it. And will until the Lord comes. Okay? But there's something greater of an understanding to realize that when he 
filled you with his spirit. He filled you with himself. And himself is greater than the angels. Now, I'll just... Okay, I do have a couple minutes here. So just think of it this way. You're sitting where you are, and all of a sudden, an angelic being came in and kind of ushered you over a little bit and sat down beside you. Now, there wouldn't be people rushing out of here tonight. Okay, we'd be... We'd be kind of probably in awe. May ask a few questions. May want to hold on until you bless me moment. I can guarantee you there would be a few messages sent afterwards and a couple testimonies that people would probably have on Sunday. And rightfully so. Okay, all that's good. Okay, but what's greater than that is you sitting where you are right now with Jesus Christ inside of you. And if we're not careful, we come and go in our daily lives on a daily basis and miss that he's greater than the angelic being. Listen, if Moses was up here preaching tonight, I mean, I don't know, maybe everyone would move up to the first three rows. <laughs> I'd probably sit right in the front. And rightfully so. But who you are filled with is greater than Moses. So, the beginning of Hebrews is letting us understand the superiority of the identity of Jesus Christ. He's not just a normal man. He's not just a good teacher. He didn't just do some miracles. He didn't just train apostles. He didn't just walk on this earth for 33 and a half years. None of those, those, and those things are all great. But who you are dealing with is the almighty God. And he is living inside of your life if you've been filled with the Spirit. Whether you're in this room or watching or listening online, it's not just another person you are filled with god himself and you become the brightness of his glory the express image sins purged all power and authority of heaven and earth belongs to him that's why he says you can speak to this mountain Greater things than these shall you do. These are not just scriptures that fill up pages of the Bible. It's people who understand who they are in God. End time revival.
apostolic move of the power of God will be people who get a fresh revelation and illumination of who Jesus is inside of their life. Stand if you would. God, I thank you for your mighty power and spirit I feel right now. I thank you for the presence, God, that you have filled us with. I thank you for the infilling of the Holy Ghost, the fruit of the Spirit, God, that works through our lives on a daily basis. We become that express image of who you are. Yes, many ways and many times you spoke in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, but God, you came. You came in flesh. You came, God, you could speak directly to each and every one of us tonight through your spirit. Thank you, God, for the power of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord, for the power of your anointing. Thank you, Lord, for the power of your word. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in people's lives. Give us our, an eye-opener experience, God, of who you are, like we have never experienced you before. Open our eyes and our minds to receive, God. Lord, a revelation of who you are, greater than we have ever experienced before. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. That is the superiority of his identity. Next week we will be focusing on the superiority of his priesthood. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being in Bible study tonight. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.